Today is Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Former Soviet Union President Mikhail Gorbachev has died. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. If you agree with that mission, you can help subscribe to this podcast. Give us a rating. That's all free stuff you can do to help spread the Christian perspective around the news world. Let's get through that news of the cray together. And joining me to get through it, Trey Gons Phillips from CBN's FaithWire. Joining me now, Billy's still out. Billy will be back here uh, tomorrow. Trey, what's going on? Happy hump day. We're in the middle of the week, and I know a lot of something that I think is refreshing is Wednesday night church, which seems yeah. like it's kind of like an old school thing. Not all churches do it these days, but a lot do, and mine does. I love Wednesday nights. Yeah, we did too. They combined it all because everybody was doing things on different nights. You know, Bible studies on this night, men's group here. So now they just combined it all into one youth group, everything else one night. So it's a big shindig on Wednesday nights, and it's a lot of fun. So yeah. hopefully uh, if your church is doing that, you can enjoy it all just like we do on a Wednesday night. Looking forward to that. Also looking forward to your story, Trey. Uh, these ex-porn stars are are banding together, and they're calling out the industry. This is a poignant letter that was uh, put together. We're going to go through the details on that. Plus, on the main thing, recent studies have shown... These kids are spending upwards of seven hours a day looking at screens. So we know that's a trend, but how can believers redeem that time in front of the screens for the kingdom of God? And Trey is going to investigate that one on the main thing. But first, we're going to go through the news in 90 seconds. Former Soviet Union President Mikhail Gorbachev has died at the age of 91, according to Russian news agencies. Gorbachev's office said earlier that he was undergoing some medical treatments at a hospital. Gorbachev was the leader of the Soviet Union from 1985 until its collapse in December of 1991. Ronald Reagan, of course, famously said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall during the Berlin Wall speech in 1987. Reagan called on Gorbachev to open the Berlin Wall, which had separated uh, the West and East Berlin since 1961. President Biden will head to Philadelphia tomorrow for a primetime address. Officials have told media he plans to speak about the soul of this nation. Biden, you may have seen last week, received some criticism after criticizing Trump and Republicans as being semi-fascist. The media has joined in echoing a new phrase coming from climate activists called zombie ice. They're now claiming that is doomed ice in Greenland that while still attached to thicker areas of ice is allegedly not getting replenished with enough snow. And th this comes on the heels, though, of a report showing at least one Antarctic ice sheet is expanding. And someone won the massive $1.34 billion mega millions jackpot about a month ago but there's a problem whoever won it they might not know they won it because the winner hasn't claimed their prize yet that ticket was purchased at a speedway gas station in De Plains, um, which is around i guess a 20 mile drive northwest from chicago of downtown chicago back on july 29th and they still haven't claimed it though but those are just some of the headlines happening today you can check out more over at cbnnews.com and at Trey, I mean, I'm kind of conflicted on the lotto. I mean, it's it's a fun thing. I mean, but I mean, does does a person really need 1.34 billion dollars? I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do I need it? It would be nice to have it. I don't know that, <laughs> right. I, I, don't know that I need it. And of course, of course, I'd be a, a good a good person. I'd give a lot to charity. Right. And of course, give to my church. And then, you know, whatever's left. This is a question I've thought of. Would a church accept... Take lottery money. Lottery mm-hmm. money. Because, you know, gambling is one of these issues of conscience that's not specifically yeah, that's a good question. laid out in the Bible is to not do it. But I don't know. I don't know if churches would take it. But uh, but it's interesting that somebody has won this thing and they may not even have any clue. We could debate back and forth whether <laughs> it's a good idea, or a wise idea to invest in this stuff. But the reality is that I would not... Uh, have not claimed it yet. If I had gone, if I had gone ahead and purchased my ticket, you better believe I would have claimed it. I it wouldn't yeah. still be hanging out there at this point. No, I wouldn't be waiting around. And be like, where did I put that ticket, hon? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went through the laundry. All right. Well, whatever. <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. But uh, interesting, nevertheless. So, all right, let's head on into our uh, story today. Here, Trey. More than a dozen former porn stars, including two that have become outspoken Christians, they signed this open letter to the producers of porn. So what are they demanding, Trey? What's in this letter? So the letter was actually just released this week, and in it, about uh, 20 former porn stars uh, are demanding pornography producers, directors, uh, and agents stop preying on barely legal, that's, you know, 18 years old, obviously, and older, uh, and, quote, impressionable teenagers uh, for their content. So the letter states that, quote, the implications of appearing in a pornographic film are significant with potential lifelong consequences, and they said that it destroys lives, and they're urging pornographers to raise the standard age of entry from 18 to 21 years old, which I think the interesting thing, Dan, here is that this is kind of it's a tough sell in an industry that certainly isn't built on any sort of moral code or compass. So it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really will. And I mean, obviously, we know all pornography is sinful, uh, as you're kind of alluding to there. But, you know, what what is there? Why are they singling out this, uh, the teenage part of it? And, you know, instead of just the whole thing? Yeah. So for for several of the former porn stars who signed the letter, they actually started working in the pornography industry as teenagers. So I think they have a a keen awareness about just how naive they were as 18, 19, and even 20-year-olds and how easily duped they were and other teens can be. So Joshua Broom, we've spoken to him several times here at Faithwire and CBN. He's a former porn star and is now a pastor. He's a husband to a wife and and they have kids together. Uh, He told us that he, quote, personally witnessed hundreds of people being manipulated into doing things uh, that they were not fully informed uh, about and fully committed to do. He said the level of manipulation and blatant coercion that happens in the porn industry has damaged not only my life, but also the lives of thousands of other people. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, Josh is, it's, he, he's really strong now. Great, a great guy. And his message is fantastic. And he also said that, that so many in the, in that industry, end up there because of that kind of manipulation? What, what are some of the things that happen and go on there? 
Yeah, you know, I was in researching for this story, which is up at faithwire.com. You can go and read the whole thing. But in researching for it, I, I was reminded of this perfect real life example of the kind of manipulation that Josh is talking about. It's actually the Girls Do Porn story. Uh, so if you don't know about this, Girls Do Porn was an account that was uploading videos to Pornhub uh, for about a decade. Uh, they earned the platform millions and millions of dollars. But in 2019, uh, the account was identified as a sex crime operation by the FBI. Uh, and it was led by wanted fugitive Michael Pratt. He's still uh, on the lam. Uh, so according to court filings, Pratt and his co-conspirator, Matthew Wolf, uh, Wolf has since pleaded guilty actually this month to sex trafficking charges. Uh, they allegedly tricked young women who thought they were agreeing to modeling jobs into performing sexual acts uh, and then reportedly lied to the women uh, about how and where those videos would be distributed. And another way that this kind of manipulation that Josh is talking about happens, this is even potentially more disturbing if, if you can imagine. So uh, the videos of barely legal teenagers, 18 year olds are being manipulated to really play into these you know, disturbing fantasies uh, by making these girls look even younger than they are uh, to make them look like they're underage, uh, which is of course playing into the interests of, of pedophiles and even people who are just constantly searching for more and more escalated content. That's the reality with pornography, right? You watch porn and you become desensitized to what you see all the time. So you need more extreme content. And by manipulating these teens to look like kids, they're feeding right into those extreme and obviously evil desires. Yeah, this is wicked and evil stuff for sure. And I mean, we shouldn't be surprised uh, that other wicked evil things happen alongside to, to make this product that it's all you know, all of it's evil. And so we shouldn't be surprised that the tactics and the ways that they get people to get involved in it are also evil. So, um, yeah. so who's, who is behind the open letter? We, we mentioned some former porn stars. There's some that have become Christian. So do we know who's behind the letter itself? So Exodus Cry is actually behind the, the production of this letter. They're a nonprofit organization fighting sex trafficking uh, and advocating for legislation to crack down specifically on commercial sexual exploitation. Uh, I've been following them for years. I first was turned on to Exodus Cry when I was a student in college. Uh, so the nonprofit CEO, Benjamin Nalote, uh, he's the producer of a new docuseries available on YouTube. It's called Beyond Fantasy. Uh, we should give a warning to our listeners. Uh, it's great content as far as it exposes the reality of pornography, but it's very disturbing. And it's, you know, it's not really censored. Uh, obviously, you don't see any nudity, but it's not censored as far as it exposes just how sinister uh, a lot of this stuff is. So it can be disturbing, but it's going to be three parts. The first part's available now. The other two parts are coming uh, later next month. So it, it's an interesting, you know, docuseries. And this is obviously an interesting letter addressing a really, really important even though it is very disturbing and important topic yeah absolutely and of course you can go to our course setfreecourse.com yeah. which is an e-course that we have produced that to help people struggling with this issue it is it is an issue that as we've talked about it's it's so prevalent especially because of technology today and how easy it is for people to fall into this including pastors including christians and so we need to be actively fighting against this as particularly as men to be fighting against this so that it doesn't take root in our own lives, our family lives, our friend lives. Um, and, and set free course is one way you can do that. 
Um, so Trey, appreciate you bringing this story to light on the on the podcast today. And that leads us into our main thing and related on a related note, people spending on, on time online in front of screens and studies have shown, as I mentioned at the top, upwards of seven hours a day watching TV, watching Netflix. And so um, it's concerning. And Trey, you spoke with the CEO of the faith-based streaming service, Minnow, about how believers can redeem that time in front of screens for the kingdom. That's on today's main thing. We spend a lot of time in front of screens. Studies show kids are looking at screens for an average of seven hours a day. It's a reality we can no longer run from or ignore. As Christians, we have to embrace reality and leverage it to advance the gospel. Our guest today, Minnow CEO Eric Goss, is doing just that. For people who don't know about Minnow, why did you found this streaming service that's really kid-centered and faith-based? So what kind of led you to this point? Well, I think in many ways, I mean, the Lord led me down this path. I, it was not something I kind of set out to do. And I had the opportunity a number of years ago to work with Phil Vischer, who created VeggieTales on a project called Buck Denver Ask What's in the Bible. And prior to working with Phil on that, I'd actually been involved in planning two churches. And in my background, I'm, I'm an e-commerce marketing professional, and I worked at Amazon and worked a lot in digital media. And as we were working on what's in the Bible which was a great property, and it was back when there were DVDs, um, a, a number of parents came to us and said, hey, I'm looking for more content for my kids, and you know, could you help us find it? Because historically, parents would go to Christian retail and be able to find DVDs or find shows for their kids. And so as, um, as we listened to parents, um, we recognize, okay, they really need to, there's a discovery problem in the marketplace. How do I discover new pro pro properties, new shows? And then the other was we had a lot of Christian creatives come to us and say, Hey, I've got ideas for shows, but I don't know how to finance them. I don't know how to sell them. And if I raise money for them, I don't sure the investors can make their money back. And, and, you know, would you guys help us? And we're like, well, it's just too hard. Like we can't do multiple brands because the marketplace is just so challenging. And I've done a lot of work at Amazon around platform development um, and, and had a chance to work on a lot of the early digital strategies at Amazon and recognize this says like within the, the media world and technology world, we talk about platforms where there's supply and demand. And, and so supply, we've got lots of Christian creatives who want to make shows. And then we've got lots of Christian parents who are looking for shows. And so there's an opportunity to create a platform. In, in parallel to that, one of the things I recognize in planning churches was a lot of Christian parents feel uncomfortable talking about spirituality with their kids. And so in many cases, they haven't been discipled or don't know how to disciple their kids or don't really know where to begin. And what I found was if you give them a show or give them some media, it kind of creates an excuse to have the conversation that they want to have. And so they'll watch a episode of Veggie Tales and they'll end up talking about God with their kids. And then in some instances, like with Buck Denver asked what's in the Bible, because the content was so rich, parents would actually, you know, they'd watch it with their kids and then they'd write in there saying like, I'm learning so much about the Bible and learning so much about the gospel um, because of this show. I can't believe it. And so most children's programming, um, parents actually watch with kids. About 75% of viewing of children's content is, is co-viewing parents. And so subversively, as a guy who's always been committed to discipleship, I kind of grew up spiritually with the navigators in college. Um, I just recognize this is a huge opportunity to impact parents as well as kids. 
and really help kids understand who Jesus is and what it means to walk with him each day. Um, the name for the, the platform minnow actually comes from the Greek word meno, which means to abide, and from John 15. And the idea is, what can we do to really create a platform to help families abide with Jesus each day and, and really make Jesus a part of every day, not just Sundays? We spend so much of our day in front of a screen. Uh, I, my career, your career, we're looking at screens all day, uh, and children are not immune from that. They're spending six, seven, eight hours a day looking at a screen. How can we as believers, and certainly as, as believers in the entertainment and media industry, redeem that fact and, and turn it on its head as a positive? Yeah, so I we get this question a lot, and and it's interesting because I think the church's response to screens, the niche, the initial response is no screens. We're going to put up walls and protect our kids from uh, from the bad influence of screens. And you know, screens are just a medium for storytelling and for content. And so the key question is, what's the content and what's happening on that screen? Um, one of the things I, I like to say is, did Steven Spielberg family prevent him from getting lots of screen time? You know, Steven Spielberg probably spent a lot of time around screens and actually learned his craft and, and, and became one of the great um, storytellers through film because of a familiarity with screen time as a, as a young kid. And so as I think about raising kids, and I've got three teenage daughters, I think so much of it is what are we doing on screens? How are we using it? And then is there a way that that screen time can actually help me as a parent? And so and that's what we spend so much time and effort with Minnow is, you know, kids can look at screen time as a distraction and, and mindless entertainment, or it can be a place where they can both be entertained and can be transformed um, to know who Jesus is. And so I think a lot of it is, again, as a parent, you always want simple rules um, and where and discernment tends not to be that simple all the time. And so when it comes to screen time, I think it's a lot of us thinking, how can we leverage, how can we leverage um, the idea that our kids like video or like being on screens? How can we leverage that to help us to be better parents? There are a lot of people who are thinking through that. You know, Minnow's not just the only company thinking about that. But then the other is, um, you know, being attentive to seeing what our kids are responding to. And so, you know, what's interesting is I've got I've got three girls, two of them are much more design visually interested. And so it's like, how can I think about their screen time for the purpose of actually helping them recognize the gifts that God's given them? And what can we do to foster that? And then, you know, and, and then how can I put them around other Christians to help them recognize how they can leverage that for the kingdom? Because, um, again, if you look at if you look at why Christians aren't active in media, it's because the church essentially rejected the film industry in the 1920s, 1930s. And so what happened is you have a whole generation where there's no one involved in film entertainment. And so you want to know why the content's so bad and why Christian values aren't represented in media. It's because there's no Christians in leadership at the major studios and there are no great filmmakers who are believers because they just didn't pursue it as a career because they weren't encouraged to pursue it. And so I think it's really important for us to, to, to have a mindset of what, what's God doing in the life of my child and how can I partner with that and how can I leverage this technology um, as a parent? And then at, at, 
absolutely boundaries. Like we're a big believer in boundaries around screen times, definitely at different ages. But but I, I think the idea of no boundaries or no screen time at all usually isn't the best decision for kids. And, and that's where I think God is asking us to use wisdom and discernment around that. With so many issues, the answer is often somewhere in between the two extremes, right? Uh, you know, it, as tricky as that is, and Minnow is doing great work to try to give parents the tools to be wise stewards uh, of, of the reality, which is that we spend a lot of time in front of screens. Uh, we spend a lot of time consuming entertainment and media. Uh, so Eric, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with us today. All right, Trey, thank you very much for that conversation there. And that leaves us with time for one last thing. And we are going to go ahead and look at Mark chapter 16. And Trey, this is when uh, Jesus has, he's already been crucified and he's died. And now he rises again. They're all, all the disciples, all of his followers are weeping. They're sad. And he first appears to Mary Magdalene, which is interesting in and of itself. And, and then what happens here is interesting to me. This stuck out to me in my reading here is when she then went and told uh, those who were, had been with him and they were mourning and weeping. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they didn't believe it. And then later in the next couple of verses, uh, he appears to two more disciples and then they went back and told the rest, but they didn't believe them either. So I, I just find this interesting. You know, maybe it's a commentary on just how we kind of have our own view of things and how things should go. Because I mean, remember, the disciples didn't believe Jesus when he, he told them that he was going to have to die and then rise again. They were like, I oh, know that's a, they, they kind of didn't understand that. They didn't believe that. So I think it speaks to how we can get one track focused on what we think should happen and then not believe what's happening right in front of us. Well, I think so much of it is a product of, of pride, right? A self-centered society. We live in this uh, this world where we idolize science, and I got to have the facts, and you've got to give me all the details that I want. It's like, I see the, the focus there. It's all me, 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 mm. me, me, things that I want uh, that will make me feel better. And I think the reality is, uh, no matter how much evidence of God's goodness, of God's even existence, of his grace, of his mercy for us, uh, if we were so determined and so self-centered uh, to say, I want all of this evidence for myself, would we ever, you know, receive enough evidence to be fully satiated? Yes. I think think the answer, unfortunately, is prob probably not. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, when you see arguments about just the mere existence of God, so many people say, well, show me the evidence. Show it to me. What is that person doing? They're putting themselves in the judgment seat. They, right. are, they are declaring themselves judge over whether or not God exists, and we know the the bible says that men are without excuse god's you know uh, attributes his hidden attributes are evident throughout the creation all around him so that men are without excuse they they know that god exists and then they suppress that truth in unright in unrighteousness and so i i completely agree with your point i mean people make it about themselves and i think you're 100% right ask somebody that if you get in a conversation and they say show me the evidence say well what evidence would convince you because Look at the evidences in the Gospels, Jesus doing these miracles, and so many times they respond with, and they sought to put him to death for doing this on the Sabbath. Why didn't they just go, oh my goodness, look at this, a miracle, this is definitely him. No, because no amount of evidence was going to convince their unbelief, and I think yeah. so I think you're right on that. Yeah, well, I mean, you can look throughout all of Scripture and Jesus' earthly ministry. 
he himself was having trouble convincing the religious leaders as he was standing literally in flesh and blood right in front of them <laughs> yeah. uh, that he was who he says he was. So I think like now when we have to believe by faith that Jesus is who he says he is, uh, if you're really begging for uh, tangible evidence, I think it's a hard sell. I think you've got to let the Holy Spirit do that convicting and that convincing uh, mm. because we can't in our own finite minds ever provide, like you were saying, enough evidence. Uh, even scripture says all of creation is shouting who I am. Uh, so you human beings are without excuse uh, for not believing in me. Yep. Amen to that. All right. We'll leave it there. And uh, that is all the time we have for this hump day podcast. So as always, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing in that creek don't rise. We will be back here tomorrow with more. So enjoy the rest of your day. God bless. We'll see you back here tomorrow.